Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Use the code FERRARO20 to save yourself at 2UNDER, the number 2 UNDR, the best men's underwear out there, and a lot of NHL guys are using it. And uh, use FERRARO's name and get a 20% discount, and uh, we'd appreciate that. Also, writeyboards.com, 15% off if you use the code PULP. Patented uh, foam whiteboard that is uh, portable, restickable, that uh, sticks to virtually any surface. And a patented foam technology makes insulation and removing a breeze. Great for coaches and a great way to diagram up plays. And uh, this guy might know a thing or two about diagramming up plays. Vice Sports, Sportsnet, the Hockey News, former Grant Lander, uh, one of my favorite uh, follows on Twitter, one of my favorite guys to read um, each week, no matter what he's doing. Sean McIndoo, a- a.k.a. Down Goes Brown on Twitter. What's up, Sean? How are you? Hey, I'm uh, hanging in there. Hanging in there. That's good. That's good. I like to see it. Uh, Vice Sports, uh, Sportsnet, and Hockey News. What do you enjoy the most? Who do you enjoy riding for the most? I'm going to put you on the spot right away. Oh, that would be like making me choose which one of my children I like best. <laughs> uh, I give you the same answer I would give you if you asked me about my kids. Whoever yeah. has paid me most recently. Yeah, exactly, right? They're all great. That's my favorite. Bummer about Grantland. Uh, it was a terrific site, and uh, yeah, that's been rehashed a thousand times, but um, uh, a great site that I miss every day. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, I miss it too. Uh, I, I miss working there because mm-hmm. uh, it was the best job I've ever had and, uh, and you know, the, the, the best team I've ever worked on. I miss reading it too. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I used to like, you know, I'd write something and, you know, it would go up, and you'd, whenever, when you're a writer, whenever something goes up, you go check it out, you know, make sure everything where it's supposed to be looks good mm-hmm. and then i'd always know uh you know I'd, I'd get to the bottom and there'd be a link to something else i'd want to go read and i'd end up you know killing an hour just uh reading about a bunch of other stuff uh, yeah. uh, just on the site it was uh it, it was it was a hell of a site we, we probably won't see anything quite like it again but uh hopefully it uh hopefully it push things in uh in a good direction and uh, we'll we'll see something similar at least at some point now I'm a I'm a writer too for a lot of magazines and, and online and uh, sometimes I'm not always pumped with what doesn't get taken out. How were they with the editing process? Which jokes didn't make it? You know what they were uh, they they were pretty good. They, were they? they yeah. let most stuff through. There wasn't uh, you know the, the one of the things that made Grantland work is they didn't they didn't go out and hire people and then bring those people in and say okay here's what a Grantland article sounds like mm-hmm. here's what the voice of this site is. Uh, they they went out and got people that they thought had a voice that would work, and they let them do their thing. So mm-hmm. you know there there was there were occasional times where they might uh, you know they might take something out or they might push back on something, but uh, it was it, it was not often. I mean it was good, yeah, that's awesome. uh, it, it was it was a great site as a reader, but uh, you know as a writer working there, it was uh, you know it, it it really was a dream job because it was I mean you know it, it, Grantland was. The vision of Bill Simmons, and Bill's a writer. You know, he, he's he's showing that he can do a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other things, but he's you know at his heart he's a writer, and he gets how writers work and how we think. And uh, you know, he he wasn't going to go and build uh, build a site and and basically build a 
build an organization, a company, yeah. uh, that was, was going to treat writers in a way that he wouldn't have wanted to be treated. I work for one place that the copy editor decides that he's an editor. That he's the he's the joke teller. He's the he's the jokey McJoke, and depending on what's funny or not. And I'm like, really? You're the copy editor? Just yeah, like, uh-huh. yeah. No, I I used to. I mean, I, I I tend to. I don't have. I'm pretty low maintenance when it comes to editing. Right. You know, as far as I'm saying, you want to you don't like the way something reads. You want to change it around. Go ahead. Right. I, you know, I, I don't even, you know, I, I very rarely check back and, and actually reread in any detail what gets posted. So, right. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to even necessarily know they're changing. But I've, I have told editors in the past, the one thing I'm going to be a stickler on is if, if it's a joke, okay, not just a, you know, not just a, a funny thing or, you know, yeah. humor I've injected, but if it's an actual joke, don't touch it. If, if you don't like it, if, it's, if there's something about it, come back to me and right. I'll change it or I'll take it out. But don't go, ch- you know, because yeah. the thing is, when you sit down to write a joke, even one word, even the, you know, mm-hmm. the, like I've, I've, I've given stuff to people for it. I said, I know the punctuation is wrong in this, but it has to be like that because it, otherwise they're not going to read it. It right. doesn't make sense, right, yeah. And, you know, I, and, and, you know, when somebody comes in and says, oh, you know, I edited this or I took, I changed that word. It's like, well, you just, you changed the joke from something good into <laughs> something that was just a funny thought that wasn't expressed well. So, yeah, that's, that's sort of my one area where I... I, uh, I I I tend to be a, a bit of a hardliner, and the rest of it, I, I I've been lucky. I've always worked with really good editors everywhere, you know, down the line, Grantland, ESPN, and and the the people I work with now, I trust them. And you know, if they yeah. if they want to make a change, to anything else, um, you know what, go ahead. Yeah, that's one place that's gotten me. Also, is a joke. They'll take a joke right out or or whatever, and I'm like, it makes no sense now. That whole paragraph makes no sense because I I was writing it for this joke, and and it's gone yeah. now. And so, yeah, you actually, it's funny. Yeah, it's kind of the same same issue with me a lot of times with things that I write about Supercross and motocross. But um, hey, let's talk let's talk some hockey. So you live in Ottawa, uh, Eugene Melnick the, in the news lately. He uh, he popped off again. Uh, about his team, so I think he's a little bit delusional that he, you know, he thinks his team may be better than what it is. He said nobody's safe. We're evaluating everything, and then every kind of interview after that, he said, "Well, Brian's up to Brian and Murray, the GM, and Brian can decide." And but he criticized the goalie starting this, the the homeometer and everything. What's uh, what's the buzz around there about Eugene Melnick? Yeah, I mean, let, let me start with this because we're going to talk Eugene Melnick. It, it's you know, I've I've got a lot of critical things to say about him. So let's start here. <laughs> Eugene Melnick saved the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. Uh, you know, a little over a decade ago when he bought the team. That team was probably not long for this market if they hadn't found the right owner. Mm-hmm. He'd come in and, you know, he is, you know, he, he's, he's basically a solo guy. He is not, you know, this is not a corporation. This is not a board. This is not a, you know, a partnership of 12 mm-hmm. guys owning a team. He's one guy. He's very passionate, uh, and you know that passion sometimes leads him to a bad place. Where, as I think it did this week, mm-hmm. um, but there is a part of me as a as a Maple Leafs fan and knowing the ownership situations that they've had over the years. You know, there's a part of me. I give me one passionate guy sure. who's going to occasionally say something stupid, and I'll take that over a board of directors that's never going to say anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they don't even, you know, they only get together once a month. So, uh, you know, I, I like Eugene Melnick. I like his passion. I like, you know, he's certainly, we know over the last year, he's fought through some real tough stuff, uh, you know, just in, in his yeah, personal, personal life, right, health-wise, yeah. and yep. that sort of thing. So, you know, I admire the guy, 
but he does take it too far sometimes. And that started right his very first year of owning the team, 2004, when uh, the, the Senators were once again meeting up with the Leafs in the playoffs. And there's Eugene Melnick, who at this point has been in the league for a couple of months, and he's kind of running his mouth in the media saying, oh, we're going to kill him. And the Leafs go and win the series. And afterwards, uh, you know, a couple of the players, and Ty Domi was one of them, says, you know, thank, we, we want to say thanks to the Ottawa owner for firing mm-hmm. us up by going and running his mouth. And, yeah. You know, that's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, from time to time, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's something that people are used to in this market, but, but, you know, you never really get used to, is that Eugene Melnick will, will kind of go off the board a little bit with some of the stuff he said. We saw it with the Matt Cook, Eric Carlson thing, where yep. Eugene Melnick was going to go out and <laughs> right. hire forensic, forensic <laughs> investigators and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you saw it again this week. I mean, th- this was, you know, for, for him to express frustration at how the season has gone, the Senators aren't very good this year. They're not going to make the playoffs. That is disappointing. Um, it, it's it's disappointing for any team, but especially a team like Ottawa that doesn't have a big budget and they need that playoff revenue. Yeah. I mean, that, they they need a couple of games uh, in in order to uh, uh, you know to get get the numbers looking right. Mm-hmm. So I, I I understand why he's frustrated, but you know he he tends to uh, you know like like a lot of fans, he tends to go overboard when he says stuff like this. Rather than just say you know it's a disappointing year, we should be better. He's talking about how they should be in the top five or six. Well, there's no objective way to look at the Senators' roster and say that this is anywhere close to an elite, you know, top 20% of the league team. No. They're they're not close to that. They're they're one elite player, a few other useful parts, and then a lot of Mm replacement-level guys mixing in and out. Uh, And, you know, I, I think people up here in Ottawa, they admire the guy, they admire his passion, they like that he talks like one of them right. when he talks. Um, but I think there there is some growing frustration, especially around the finances, around the fact that this is still a team that does not spend to the cap. Uh, they are still a budget team. Uh, and, you know, it, it, especially in the years before the, the Canadian dollar started dropping, it, it you kind of looked at it and went, how can you have a team in Canada that's selling out the building every night that that can't, be a cap team. You, right. you know, all the other teams seem to be able to manage it. And, you know, there's there's frustration, there's a feeling, you know, is is you know, what's going on? Is is the team are they not well run? Is he is he taking, you know, is some of the money from the senators going into his other business ventures? Is it yeah. something matching? Or, you know, is it just maybe it just is the reality, but of course it's the NHL. He doesn't have to open the books. So no, sure. say, you know, this is all we can afford. And and you know and that's it. You just kind of have to take him at his word. But I, I know there's 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 frustration, and I think you know if Eugene Melnick just said, "Look, we are a small market team. Yes, we sell out the building, but Ottawa Ottawa is not a big city. Yes, we sell out the building, but we sell out the building at ticket prices that are quite low compared to the rest of Canada. Uh, you know, we're a budget team. We are spending as much as we can." But look, this team this team was bankrupt when Eugene Melnick bought them. If he stood there and said to Ottawa fans, I'm not going to let that happen again. Yeah. I'm not going to let it get that far into the red. And if that means we can't spend as much as other teams, then that's just the reality. I think people would understand that. And they would appreciate it. on. They might not want to hear it, mm-hmm. but they would appreciate the honesty. And instead, he always kind of plays it as, you know, like, you know, like, yeah, we could spend more, but we don't want to. Yeah. Like, it's a strategic, you know, and he always <laughs> exactly. says... And he always does this thing where he says, you know, well, well, you know, we know other teams have 
spent to the cap every year, and and it hasn't got them anywhere. And we know what he means. He's talking about the Maple Leafs. Exactly. You got to understand in this market, anything that you say about the Toronto Maple Leafs plays very, very well. So you know he's basically pointing at the Leafs, going, "Hey, they spent like crazy, and they're garbage every single year," which is true. Uh, but as you know, there was a good good post on on Sportsnet this week where one of the writers took a look at it, and he basically came to the conclusion. He said, "Look, spending money doesn't guarantee you're going to win, but not spending money almost, <laughs> almost does guarantee yeah, exactly. that you're not going to win. You're not going to be an elite. Te- All the elite teams spend to the cap. Yeah. Uh, and so when you see you know Eugene Melnick saying, "Ah, you know, we don't have to spend. We're going to do it the right way. The right way is to spend. And if he can't because the finances don't work, yeah. then say so. But don't act like you know." Like they, this is, you know, yeah, this is a master plan. This is all part of the master plan. To the, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, you know, he's like the kid who, who you know gets in a fight at lunch and comes out with a black eye and says, "Well, I, you know, I could have hit the other guy back, but I, I decided not to." Yeah. Well, no, you didn't. You just you know, <laughs> and and I think that frustrates fans. And you know, yeah. frankly, the, the Senators are not looking like an especially well-run team right now, and that's going to frustrate the fans. So, and and when fans get frustrated, they're going to aim that everywhere, and the owner's going to going to catch some of it too, especially when he's as visible as Eugene Melnick has been. So, um, you know, I'm not counting them out because uh, there have been times in the past years where you would have looked at where the Senators were going and said this this team's going to settle into a role as a bottom ten team that doesn't spend much. And and basically, when they do produce talent, can't afford to keep it, and they turn into a feeder team for the rest of the league. Yeah. And they haven't done that. They, they've they've drafted very smartly. They've developed very smartly, and that's very key. Yeah. And, and there's no reason to think they won't keep doing that. Um, but you know, eventually, the the, the money's going to catch up with them. And and the weird thing is, you know, they don't spend to the cap or anywhere near it, and yet. They do spend money on on certain players, and, and yeah. you know they've got some bad. Con- they've got Bobby Ryan and Dion Phaneuf right now. Mm-hmm. Those are two contracts that they don't look good now. Two years <laughs> from now, yeah. when Eric Carlson needs an extension, and you've got fourteen million on Bobby Ryan and Dion Phaneuf, who are both going to be in their thirties on the downside of their career. Man, that's uh, you know the, we've we've seen smart GMs be able to get away from bad contracts in various ways over the year. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the expansion draft gives you another out on some of that. Um, so, hope you know, from the Senate's perspective, hopefully maybe that's the plan there. Because if, if they're stuck with both of those guys for the next five years, that's, uh, man, that's, that's, that, that would be tough for the Rangers to handle, let alone yeah. a small market team like the Sens. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They, they've spent money, but it's in not great places. But I, as a Leaf fan, I'm very excited that Fanoff is now over there because he was a, he's a good player, but he is a cap killer. There's no doubt. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I I've defended Dion Phaneuf for for years when he was with the Leafs. You know, I, I he's a good player who was marketed as a superstar, right? You know, and from the moment he came over from Calgary, with every you got to remember that was in the in the middle of the season where mm-hmm. the Leafs said they traded for Phil Kessel, they traded away the first round pick. Now that now it was obvious the first round pick was going to be you know top one or two probably. Uh, so there's all, all sorts of heat. People are already starting to give up on the Brian Burke era, and they needed something to give the fans some faith back. And when mm-hmm. they went and made that trade that on the surface looked like it was it was a robbery, that they, they went and got this guy who just a few years ago was considered one of the best young defensemen in the league, um, I, I think they just jumped on that too enthusiastically. And they, they they presented this guy to the market as if he was one of those defensemen who could do it all. Top-pairing. Oh. 28 minutes a night, first penalty kill, first power play, do it all. And he's not that guy. 
And but that's fine because yeah. there's like ten yeah. of those yeah. guys in the exactly. whole league. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's elite. But, yeah. Yeah, but but they brought him in. They made him the captain almost right away. He took they, control they, of the stereo. Do you remember that? He took control yeah, of the he, stereo. He was the volume. The guy who, who did the volume on the stereo, and, and you know all this stuff. And they basically sold him to the market like they had just acquired you know Duncan Keith or right, Weber. Right. And you know when you set the expectations that high, and eventually the contract that came with it, uh, you know it, it's it's people tend to think they're going to get more than they realistically should but the problem is you know for for so many hockey fans if a guy is not meeting expectations suddenly he sucks yeah you know, suddenly yeah. it's well Dion Phaneuf shouldn't even be in the NHL yeah. well no Dion Phaneuf <laughs> should be on the second pairing of just about any team in the league but he shouldn't be mm-hmm. your number one guy you're counting on in all situations so I mean I, I you know I defend Dion Phaneuf I, I defend you know the contract was not great but you know, I, I think yeah. he took a lot more heat in Toronto than he should have. But I was amazed that they were able to get pull that yeah. trade off. No, I was because yeah, I mean, if you had told me heading into the season or you know a week before that trade that the Maple Leafs are going to trade Dion Phaneuf, they're going to get back a decent prospect. They're going to get a decent draft pick. They're going to not take back a single bad contract that runs longer than the end of next season. Yep, and. They're not going to retain one single dollar of salary. I would have said you're you're insane. There's no possible way that they make that happen. And yet they they found a, a, a partner in Ottawa, and they got it done. And I don't think that was a bad deal for the Senators. You know, in hindsight, they they made that deal partly to try to get in the playoffs. And yeah, they pushed for it. Happened, yeah. But, yeah. but you know, I, I don't think it was a bad deal for the Senators. But that was a great deal for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's uh, let's switch and talk about the Leafs a little bit. This rebuild. Um, Tanking slash rebuild has almost been perfect, except for the Oilers, who just keep screwing it up. Um, you know, even even like with Van Riemsdyk and Bozak, Bozak's coming back now, but uh, long term injuries. Um, you know, Jared Cowan, hey, you're healthy, you could maybe help, but just go away. Every, the goaltending a little subpar, better lately. This rebuild has been just just about perfect, and and so I'm happy. I'm good. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're they're checking all the boxes, and 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 you know, they told us what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. They they didn't. You know, Brendan Shanahan can. They can't come out and say we're trying to finish last this year, or at the very least, you know, we don't care where we finish. Where this season is not about wins and losses. But they, you know, they they you read. You didn't have to read very hard between the lines when yeah. they're. You know, when Mike Babcock is talking about the pain is coming. <laughs> right. You know, we knew what it meant, and yeah. and you know, Leaf fans. It's funny for years and years it. You always heard that uh, Leaf fans won't put up with a rebuild. They're not patient enough, which always struck me as weird mm-hmm. because the two criticisms of Toronto Maple Leaf fans are, A, they they don't demand a winner, which is why they fill the building every night. Even <laughs> yeah, the team, exactly right. right. The yeah. teams, so it's, it's their fault that the team is bad because they're not demanding enough. And, B, they won't accept a rebuild because they're too impatient. And, you know, to my mind, you can't be both those things. You can't be too demanding – uh, or sorry, you can't be too impatient and yet not demanding enough. That you know that that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But there was always this talk that yeah, you know the Leafs are not they, they won't have the patience for the rebuild. Leaf fans have been fine with it. Leaf fans have been just fine, and it's uh, you know they, they've they've pretty much followed the plan. You know, very similar to what the Sabers did last year. And mm-hmm. I've had some Sabers fans tell me, you know, hey, you criticized this last year. How come you're not criticizing the Leafs? I you know. I didn't criticize the Sabres much last year. My, my, my criticism of what the Sabres did is, was twofold. Number one, I hate that the league is set up in such a way that this is a good strategy. 
and I, and I feel the same way with the Leafs. I, I've, I've been banging this drum for a while. There's better ways to do it. There's better ways to hand out the draft picks. I wish the league would do that mm-hmm. so that fans weren't cheering for their team to lose. Right. Um, but if, if that's the system, go ahead and do it. The only other thing I ask is, you know, for the fans, be honest about what's happening. Don't tell me you're not tanking when you're obviously tanking. Don't, you know, if you're the Sabres last year, when you keep Ted Nolan, who we all know is getting fired at the end of the year, but you keep him all year, when you trade your goaltenders at the end of the year, when you don't bring in anyone, you know, yeah. don't tell me that you're not tanking when that's clearly what's happening. Yeah. And, you know, with the Leafs, you know, maybe we quibble over, you know, were they tanking from day one or did they wait and see? You know, they, they kept a lot of their veterans. That's That was what was a little bit odd going into the season. They kept a lot of these veterans because they felt like, Let's see what Mike Babcock can do. Let's see who, mm-hmm. who can he coach up, and he wants to have a look at it. And that kind of made you feel like, are they maybe not as committed to this as it seemed? Uh, but it's worked out fine. They, they're yeah, they're doing perfect. the right thing. They they did the pump and dump on some of these veteran guys, Fanuf included. Uh, some of the other guys they've been shutting down, and they're fun to watch now. I've I've watched less Maple Leafs hockey this year than any season in my life. Because I agree. Why would yep. you, yep. I'm why the same would you watch again? You know, we know what. You know, I support the plan. As a fan, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Lose as much as you need to, but I don't. I, I, that doesn't mean I have to spend three hours a night watching it. But but now that they've got some of the kids up, yeah, I'm, I find myself watching again. This is this is fun to watch. This is not an experience that Leaf fans have had very much over the years, <laughs> no. where you can actually see the future and a real future. You know, we're not. This isn't Sean Haggerty and and Brandon Convery. This is real future uh, playing out in front of you, and it's you know it's it's kind of fun. Uh, even though I think any Maple Leafs fan who's who's been doing this for any amount of time knows full well that they're they're gonna they're not gonna win the draft lottery. They're gonna drop. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, the change the rules obviously this year um, a little bit. The Oilers are gonna win. We all know that it's gonna happen, and it's unfortunate, <laughs> no yep. doubt. Um, hey, the, the William Nylander, he looks good. Uh, seven points in twelve games. He's got a rocket. The only thing, like everyone's very excited about him, and I am too. But I'm a little worried. I don't, I've never heard this brought up, but I've got a couple of friends who, you know, who are ex-NHL guys that played with his dad, Michael. I've got a, a diehard Hartford Whaler fan um, where Nylander, Michael Nylander played forever. Um, his dad was always looked upon as this very talented guy who maybe didn't work that hard or didn't reach what his skills could be. And, and you know, I don't want to put Willie in that same group, but are we a little worried? <laughs> that he could be somebody who floats a little bit like his dad. I feel there's a bit of revisionist history with his dad when they talk about what a great player he was. And, you know, I just, I, my buddy, my Arthur Whaler buddy, he never liked Michael Nylander. He's like, oh, the guy doesn't, he floats. He never d- d- tries that hard. So I'm just you saying. Know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worry too much about that. I, you know, the, the, the Apple sometimes can fall a little bit sure. far from the tree. Look at Max Domi. Look yep. at the player he became. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, I, I'm not overly concerned. Certainly, I'm sure with any young player, you're going to keep an eye on that, especially in a big market in Toronto where we know as soon as he gets a, you know, a few good games under his belt, mm-hmm. he's going to be on the front page of the newspapers about you know, how he's the next big thing. Um, but I guess part of the reason I'm not as worried is you look at what's around him. Mike Babcock is not going to let this kid float. Lou Lamarillo is not going to let this kid float. Brendan Shanahan, uh, you know, is a guy who can, if he sees that, mm-hmm. can sit down and have the heart-to-heart and say, look, man, I was a top draft pick, too. I was, you know, in the league lighting it up when I was 19, just like you were. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know how this goes and, uh, and, and set them straight. So I, you I know, hope so. I, I think any player you're concerned 
Um, but I, I think the Leafs have you know, built a system here where it's, it's going to be tough for guys to get away from that and get away with that, I should say. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if, uh, if, if, you know, maybe he looks at his dad's career and says, you know what, my dad had a real good career. He did have a good uh, career, yeah, he, he did at it, the end of the day. It, yeah. But it could have been a better one, you know. I th- <laughs> maybe, you know, my, yeah. my, my dad was a real good player, but, uh, you know, he, he wasn't on a half dozen all-star teams. And, and maybe that's the ceiling for, uh, for William and maybe for his, you know, for his brother coming up in the draft this year, too. Yeah, I just feel like, hey, let's all remember that his dad, you know, at times, uh, yeah, didn't, you know. Um, hey, what, uh, the Shostnikov, pretty good, right? Like, I'm Not impressed. Bad. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's out right now, but, yeah, uh, Hyman, like, a couple guys, like, we don't really, you know, we're obviously all waiting for Marner, and Nylander's here, and, and uh, you know, uh, Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner and stuff, but these are guys that we don't quite, didn't get quite get the hype, and, and they're turning out to be pretty good. And some of them are, and, you know, and I, I tend not to get too excited on this stuff, because I, I, I still think you're looking at guys where the ceiling is probably real good third liner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, oh. and I, I'm a firm believer that the NHL... Way to ruin this podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a believer that the NHL is is about, uh, you know, yeah, you need the depth, you need the character, the yep. compete, all that stuff. It's a league about elite talent right now. It's about collecting the four or five at most elite guys and then filling in around them mm-hmm. and so you know that's why I'm 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 watching the Nylanders I'm watching Mitch Marners I'm watching whoever they draft this year but you know what it's it's nice to see those other guys come mm-hmm. in and it's you know it's nice to even a guy like Frederick Gauthier who was who who really had been I don't want to say written off but yeah. You know, as over the years, you kind of looked at him and what he was doing in the minors, and you went, you know, this guy, a first-round pick, but, uh, you know, did, did we spend a first-round pick on, right. a, on a face-off specialist, uh, bottom six guy? Mm-hmm. He's looked all right. You know, he's, yeah. uh, you know, early on he's fit in. Babcock seems to like them. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if, if these guys stick and they turn, you know, and, and I say if because we've, we've seen lots of guys look like they could be a third-line NHLer for a week or two. And yeah. You know, you never hear from them again. But, uh, you know, if they can stick at the very least, you can build a third, you know, third and fourth line out of some of these guys. That means you're not going out and getting the Dave Bolins of the world to, to plug into those spots. And, uh, you know, it frees you up to, to do some other things. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's certainly, like I say, I'd, I'd much rather cheer for a kid who's got, you know, got a future ahead of them than, than you know, some, some veteran who we're never going to see again after a year or two. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm not overly excited. I'm not ready to start, uh, you know, start start penciling these guys in for the long term. Um, but you know, the reality is, you look at the Leafs; they got six, seven, eight of these young forwards. They don't have a lot of depth on the blue line. They don't have a lot of uh, much of anything Net, coming up yeah. in, in in the goaltenders, other than than maybe Garrett Sparks. But uh, they've got uh, they've got a lot of these forwards, and you know, at some point, you look at it and go. You know, if you got seven or eight guys, if half of them turn into NHLers and one of them turns into a better NHLer than he he looks like he projects to right now, you, you probably got a second liner and and a whole third line sitting there. Even if half the guys end up being bust, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Having a good time doing it, and uh, thanks to our guys for coming on board over at Righty Board. Righty Board's Power Play Whiteboard is hockey's first restickable portable hockey whiteboard that goes wherever you go.
Whether it's needed at one end of the rink or one end of the country, the power play board sticks to any surface your team needs it. Vivid graphics and a white background on the front. Removable, long-lasting, air-free adhesive on the back. Visualization is now your ultimate weapon. It's the most versatile, practical, and simple-to-use whiteboard in the world. Every rink, every team, every coach needs to get a few of these power play whiteboards and check them out. Use the code PULP at writeyboards.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y, boards.com, to get 15% off your power play board. All right, back to the show. No, absolutely. I was very excited for the Zednik Nedved era a while back. Never really yeah, quite. Exactly. We could we could go down the list of those guys where you know you're. I know you're, they you're, come you're in. You're right. there going, yeah. You know, Luca Caputi, man, this guy is going to be something. Yeah. Yeah. Not not so much. Um, advanced stats in hockey. Um, you're 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 an, you're an advocator for it. You you follow it a little bit, probably more than I do. Um, I'd like it. I'm into it. I'm not going to be one of um, a Glenn Healy or one of those dudes that, that turns his nose up on it. But in a simple way, like there's Corsi and Fenwick, uh, very similar stats, uh, PDO, zone zone entries. What do you value for and what can a fan like me value real quickly, look at, use, and just put away and, and, and you know be better for it? Is there one that you like, one or two that you think uh, stand above the rest of the, guy, rest of the ones? The, the, the possession numbers – uh, are are great at at the team level. Mm-hmm. You know that's one that I you know any any time there's a team you go, oh, are these guys for any time you find yourself asking are these guys for real, go look at two things. Go look at the possession numbers, preferably even strength score adjusted, mm-hmm. uh, and look at the the PDO, which is just your shooting and save percentage together, and see if that's way out of whack one way or another. So you know if you see a team that's hitting the skids, if you see a team that's overachieving mm-hmm. and you want to know, are we seeing something real or not, that's what you want to look at because that's the best indicator. Uh, and, you know, we've seen it time and again where, uh, you know, especially with teams that seem to be overachieving and mm-hmm. the stats guys are sitting there waving the red flag saying, you know, whether it was the, the Leafs a few years ago, the Avalanche, the Flames last yeah. year, the latest example, yeah. uh, and, and they, they're waving they, the flag. They've been right. The, the guys and, have been and, right. And, and they're yeah. right over and over again. They tend to be right, and over and over again, the the old school guys who want to tell you about, well, you know, the the flame. Remember last year, the Flames are. Why are the Flames winning? Wow, it's, oh, it's just, all hard. They're gritty. They're, yeah, they're gritty. <laughs> did they did they stop competing this year? Did they get right. less gritty? Did they, you yeah. know, did did were the leaders not? You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's the the stat guys tend to be right at a player level. There's not really that one stat that that you look at that tells you the whole story because when you get to the player level, any stat you can look at, there's always a yeah, but mm-hmm. somewhere. You know, you can look and say, this guy's got a great possession. Yeah, but okay. you got to look at, you know, he plays on a team that has a great system, and everyone's okay, but so you look at a, a relative possession. You look at how he does it. Okay, yeah, but you got to look at who he's playing with, who he's playing against, that sort of thing. What I really like on at the individual level is you're seeing a lot more of these these charts that kind of roll up a few stats mm-hmm. into one. And you know, I, that's been something they've done for for a while now. But I've I haven't found a lot of them very useful because I look at them and I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm looking at here. You know, that you've shown me there's two guys. One guy's a big red circle in one corner, and the other guy's a small blue circle in the other corner. I don't know which one of those is good. Which <laughs> right. one is good. They look really neat. They look really funny. It, yeah, and people will show it to you and go, "What do you think?" And you kind of go, "Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah point made." Right. And you you don't know what the, the, the yeah. point was. But they've, there's uh, there's a lot of what the, what you're seeing more and more these days is. It, I think some of the stats guys are not just coming up with better numbers, but they're they're getting better at visualizing it and better at explaining it. Mm-hmm. And you know, like there there's something called hero charts where it's 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 a bunch of different stats, and it just lists down. You know, here's the player. Here's these 
you know, five or six key categories, and here is what is average for those categories for the top quarter of the league, second, third, fourth. So you're bre- basically breaking it down if you're looking at a forward, first line, second first line, third yeah, line, okay. fourth line. All right. And then the, and you look how far the bar goes out. And, you know, for each one of them, and usually you can get a pretty good sense. So, you know, it might be a player, maybe it's a guy you don't think much of, but you look, and if he's in that second or third zone all the way down, you're saying, man, this guy's a, a third-line, borderline, second-line player. And if he's not being used that way, mm-hmm. maybe this is a guy that, that, you know, you want your team to go and target. And, and there's a lot of players that go the other way. There's players that are considered first-line players, and you look down that, to, and, and, I mean, they're all down third, fourth. Right. Maybe sections and you're going man this this is not a guy you want any part of and and certainly when it comes time to to you know to maybe go and acquire somebody or or to sign a contract uh you know and there and there are always guys either always uh, at any given time there's a few lightning rods and that's where it gets really fun when you see these guys <laughs> where the stats guys are saying yeah. stay away and the the old school guys are saying no no this is a guy you want and you know uh, Andrew McDonald was a big one a, a year ago right look how that turned out yeah, uh, yeah. Chris Russell is the big one right now right where the old school guys love him heart and soul shot blocker you know absolute you know guy mm-hmm. guy who does every little thing that you could ever ask a player to do to help you win but when you look at the you look at the stats they're awful I mean they are yeah. they are telling you this guy is a borderline player that you want in your lineup, period, let alone <laughs> paying him $6 million a year, which is apparently what he's going to be What he wants, for. yeah. You know, I, I love looking at those, and I've I got to be honest with you, um, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a hockey fan. I'm not, you know, I'm not a stats guy or not, not a mm-hmm. stats guy. I'm a hockey fan. I want to understand and, uh, you know, be smarter about the, about the sport that, that I love watching. Yeah. I'm, and, uh, I'm you with know, you, so yeah, of, exactly. Right. A lot of times, you know, I sit back, I'm, I'm agnostic on a lot of this. I'm, I'm not picking a side. Uh, I'm Switzerland. I'm neutral, <laughs> but I'm going to pay attention to see who's right and who's wrong. And I'll tell you, the numbers guys are right a lot more yeah. uh, than they're wrong when it when it comes to these sort of stats versus old school debates. Yeah, the, the Panarin in Chicago most likely going to win the Calder. Um, like I'm, in, I went on War on Ice and I'm looking and I'm just like, okay, what's this guy's deal? Obviously, he's playing with with Patrick Kane, who's just you know going to win the MVP. Is he, you know, is he? Does he really deserve the Calder over, you know, Connor McDavid or, or you know, um, or, or anybody else? And, and like, but again, when you look at him, his stats are strong because of who he plays with. Like you said, it's yep. a, it's a line sort of. It's a, and, uh, and that's part of it. Yep. And the other thing that's going to be interesting in in that case, and and this come this came up a little bit uh, last year with Aaron Ekblad, is you know, the when you're how do you compare an 18 year old against a guy who's 23 or 24? A huge difference there. And you know, there there there's sort of two views. One is both guys are eligible for the call. The Calder defines what a rookie is. Both of these guys are rookies, and mm-hmm. so therefore, you, you compare them. It's apples to apples. And then there's I, I've had other and, and and by the way, that's mostly where I fall on on the debate. But but there are other people who have said, look, it, you know, an 18 year old doing this in the NHL is far more impressive than a 24 year old putting up similar numbers. And if there's if they're anywhere close, you go to the 18 year old because yeah. he's got a much higher degree of difficulty. And and you know for you know Aaron Eckblad last year to do what he did uh, as a teenager was you know you you, you have to consider that as a, a different ball game than you know some of these other rookies who who come you know a Mark Stone who comes in 23 mm-hmm. 24 and uh, and has that kind lights of, it up right yeah so you know that that's going to be part of it too and and then I mean the, the Calder is going to be a mess this year because you, you you know you've got that plus you have the whole you know. It, are you going on a per game basis or are you going on the whole season? Is it is it you know mm-hmm. eighty games, 
30 goals in 80 games more impressive than 25 goals in 60? You know, yeah. I mean, we, we argue that. And what are you voting on? Are you voting on who is the best rookie this year, or are you voting on who from the rookie class is going to be the best player? Because we know that's going to be we, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, we all know that within a year, Connor McDavid is going to be, you know, not only, I mean, every team in the league, of course, would take him 100 times out of 100 over any other rookie, but, you know, yeah. he's, he's going to be the guy. You're going to look back and go, how did he would not win the Calder Trophy? But, you know, yeah. the, the Calder Trophy doesn't say predict the future. The Calder Trophy <laughs> says this yeah. is an award based on the past season and the past season only. So, I don't know. I, uh, it's, it's, uh, these, these award ballots, I've had, I've had one for a couple years now. I was going to say, I thought you were a voter. Yeah, you were. They are yeah. tough. They are so. I used to think it would be so cool and so fun to have one of those. <laughs> and, and I used to, you know, whenever I'd see the votes come out, You'd rip into like, somebody. These guys are idiots. Come <laughs> right. on, man. I, I sit down every year. I sit down and, you know, I, I usually sit down first thing in the morning. I go, all right, I'm going to spend an hour on this. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, the day's over. And I haven't even got out of the Norris because I've been moving guys up and down. And you read this take and that argument. Yeah. It's. Uh, and your kids I mean, screaming, your kids and, screaming. And then you double-check it 900 times before you send it in because you're terrified that you've cut and pasted the wrong guy in <laughs> and you're going to be the one guy who yeah. had, you know, where people are like, who is the idiot who voted this? You know, yeah. you know yeah, like, this uh, guy at the wrong position in the All-Star, you know, what a dummy. You just uh, uh, you just so wrote about, yeah, you just wrote about Drew Doughty's Norris Trophy and people left him off the ballot uh, last yeah. year? Like, you're like... People left him off and I didn't, which I didn't get. I had him number one on my ballot, but, I, you know... Not that I, I thought Eric Carlson was a deserving winner last year. I didn't have an issue with that. Oh, that's yeah, fine. I don't, some of the guys getting you, left off ballots. You can't leave them off a ballot. You can't. You just can't. No. And know? Eric Carlson got left off something like 10 ballots. Did he really? Okay, yeah. Weird to me. I, 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 I don't know if that was, you know, strategic voting by somebody, you know, some Eric Carlson homer who wanted to, you know, make sure that Drew Doughty wasn't, wasn't getting any points on, off his ballot or if mm-hmm. it was just, you know, there, there are still – People out there who think if your team doesn't make the playoffs, you really can't win a major yeah, award, which geez. I never understood and I don't buy. But um, that's that's how some people think. So maybe that's what was going on with Drew Doughty. I don't know. A couple more things before we wrap up here on the Paul Pocky podcast. Uh, I did one of these with Rob Brown. Um, I, I hit you up on Twitter about this. He's aware of you, and he would like some royalties for his name <laughs> that you, uh, Joe Bowen, uh, who was Brown fighting? Lefebvre? Stephon? It was Sylvain Lefebvre. Yeah, Lefebvre? Tell, tell him he's, he's got to get in line behind Joe Bowen because <laughs> I've, I've run into Joe a couple times in press box. Okay. Every time he tells me, he tells me his lawyers are, are going to be in touch to get some of the royalty. I don't know what kind of royalties he's getting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Off of, right. off of uh, a Twitter handle. But, but uh, Rob, yeah. Rob Brown is aware. He is aware that, <laughs> that you are, you've named it your Twitter handle after him. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I've, I've heard that before from a, from a few places that you know, and, and yeah, Rob, Rob seems to have a, a good sense of humor about it, which is cool. I know his, uh, his brother is also on Twitter. His brother's a, an editor of a, a, a sports editor out, uh, at West, okay. and uh, he was on Twitter, and we had a few back and forths over various things. And uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd forget who I was talking to, and it'd be like, you know, at the end of it, it'd be like, "Hey, man, good, good chat. This is, uh, you know, this uh-huh. is cool. Thanks." Uh, and you know, a couple times he was like, "Yeah, you know what? It would have been cooler if I didn't have to look at a picture of my brother getting punched in the face <laughs> every time I, yeah. I, uh, every time I heard from you." <laughs> right. Oh yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, Rob also said that when Hextall charged after him, uh, he was just really concerned with uh, something else on the bench, and he had to go. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you realize, hey, my shift is over. Right, I gotta uh, go. Coach wants me off the bench. Right. I better get over there real quick. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one last thing here. I'm in Vegas, um, and every year, I, di- I seriously, uh, I think my wife would divorce me, but 
The Gretzky Fantasy Camp is here every year, and it's on this week. It's fifteen grand. Should I do it? Obviously, oh, it's I, I, like honestly, I told my wife about. It. I don't play that much anymore, but I could get back on the blades and you know get get some ice time. Um, but how awesome would that be? I think that would that be just would be phenomenal. Heavy. I don't know if it, I don't know if it'd be fifteen grand awesome, but that would be. That's uh, what I'm saying. Hey, that what, would be that would be a lot of fun. I don't know what. Uh, What's, I, I don't know what's 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 involved with that. Is it, uh, you, you you get uh, he brings a bunch of his buddies uh, yeah. and you play with them four games um, and you're guaranteed to play with Wayne. It said on the website, <laughs> you get a bunch of gear for free, uh, obviously, yeah. and then there's cocktail hours every night or something. But uh, Willie does does like are you guaranteed that will Wayne high stick you at some point uh, uh, and cut, cut you open? Cut you and, open uh, and, and everyone and, ignores and then, it. Yeah, and then everybody will ignore it and pretend it didn't happen because that would uh, that that to me that'd be worth like eight. Or nine grand right there. It used to that experience. It used to be nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars when I was seriously looking into it, and now it's gone to fifteen. And I'm like, wait a minute, Wayne, wait a minute. <laughs> the, the nine works way better. Cooper Gooding, yeah, no kidding. Cooper Gooding Jr. is here. He's playing. Um, Kelly Chase is here. I think Glenn Anderson and Fear, his buddies. Right so, on. I'd like to do it, but I think I may have to file for divorce uh, immediately yeah. after. Just, so. if, if you do, man, just don't don't catch him with his head down. Make sure, make <laughs> look around. Make sure Semenko isn't there. Or, this is, uh, or this is for or any of those guys because you do not want to. You don't want to get the Bill McCreary treatment. Yeah, you're like this is for Dougie. Wham. Yeah, wham. <laughs> you just nail him. Next thing you know, yeah, cement, yeah. <laughs> you get get that hand tapping you on the shoulder, telling you it's time to go for a canoe ride. This man with a permanent five o'clock shadow comes over. <laughs> uh, well, hey, thank you. Uh, thanks for taking the time. At uh, down goes brown on Twitter. Sean McIndoo, uh, Vice Sports, uh, Sportsnet, Hockey News. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Good stuff. And uh, man, I, yeah, I just uh, keep it up. It's it's awesome to read. So thanks for your time, man. Right on. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Bye.